Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. This is High Tea with Grace, where we spill the tea on HIT. I'd like to welcome Amanda Edwards. She's Program Manager of Digital Transformation and Innovation at Availity. Thanks for joining us, Amanda. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. We're so excited to learn from you today. So tell us about the career path that led you to your current role at uh, the company at Availity. Yeah, so my career path is probably a little non-traditional. I'm the first in my family to get a four-year degree. um, And I did so as a single mom working full-time. It took about 10 years. Wow. The entire time though, I have always worked at a pair space. Um, So I've always worked in insurance at a payer. I've worked in almost every operational area of a payer. I was an accountant for a while. I did enrollment and I grew in my career mainly through, I always said, being lazy and nosy. Uh, I don't like doing things manually. I don't like repeating things. And I was just nosy enough to try to figure out how to get out of those situations. Um, And then I think just evolving over time in that I am curious and I just like to move always forward, always Mm -hmm. looking at better ways of doing things and not being afraid to make a decision, not being afraid to make a mistake and being very uh, shoot from hip, very honest, transparent. I like to call out the obvious. I like to talk about problems. I like to find resolution Um, And then just having an overall enjoyable work ethic and attitude, I think, just kind of progressed me along the way. But I think my biggest um, benefit in my career is never getting hung up on overthinking and always being willing to make a decision and move it forward and fail fast if I needed to. Mm -hmm. It's incredible how much decisiveness is needed in this industry because there's so many different ways you can go and you need people to tell you the different paths, but then you need someone that can say, okay, guys, this is where we need to go. So it sounds like you're that kind of woman. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's fantastic. So tell me about the work that you're doing at Availity. Yeah, so the um, I am a program manager as you had said, digital transformation and innovation, uh, which is a new position at Availity. Um, our team is actually new, uh, intelligent interactions. 
Availity um, has sponsored or, you know, taken a stake in moving the way healthcare uh, transactions and administration is accomplished. And I'm super excited to be leading the success in our program. Um, and yeah. That's awesome. So what is the program working on? Sounds like it's patient-centered, very innovative. Yeah. So we did some exploratory exercises early last year and kind of tried to understand what the industry needed. So it wasn't that we came on board and we knew exactly what we were going to do. That took some time. It took some testing, which is one thing I love about Availity. I'm actually learning a little bit more is getting in and diving with users and usability testing and what works and what doesn't and redirecting. So over that evolution, we have come up with, and I'm super excited about the transition to a patient-centered or centric workflow. Oh, so wow. flipping the historically the historical way that the industry has looked at success of a payer and a provider's transactions and administration administrative tasks. Oh wow. So what is yeah, what is a patient a patient-centered workflow and what you know historically were the workflows and the way yeah, they were so patient-centered workflow is the new way uh, that availability is going to look at making our providers and payers successful. So it is flipping the historical transactional and administrative way that those two entities interact. Historically, just through the needs of the industry, payers, everything was very transaction-based. An EMB is separate. An authorization is separate and distinct, right? A claim is separate and distinct. And that made sense. Those all have very purposeful needs in the industry, but they're very separate. What we're going to do is we're going to flip that on its head, and we're going to give all of those transactions a core, a base, a purpose, and if you think about healthcare, the whole reason we're here is the patient. Mm. So we're going to pull all of this data that exists and all the transactions that exist or current workflows that exist very distinct and separate. And we're going to pull them all into the patient, that person, because it's the whole reason we're here. So we're going to tie all of those transactions together through our patient and then start to build workflows that look at the life cycle of that patient. So pulling the life cycle together so that we can start to predict what needs to happen next, guide an administrator through this EMB needs to be you know, checked again and do that for them. We're going to be able to auto-populate information for them. We're going to start to reduce administrative burden for them and really just tie everything back to the whole reason that we're here which I love. I'm super excited about it. Yeah. And it sounds like it's going to be a big benefit to the patient as well to have all their information organized in a way that's centered around themselves. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of it, of course, is on the users, you know, availities, users day in and day out, you know, the reduction in errors, the reduction in administrative time it takes, the ability to respond and engage quicker and faster through the practice that the patient interacts with all the time is just going to make the, the satisfaction levels grow, the relationships between the practice and the patient grow, and just speed up the whole process through digital transformation, right? So it's moving, you know, processes and paper and, and manual transactions to a digital space. So, and, and making those seamless 
In addition, you know, adding machine learning, now we're able to start to actually drive transactions more than just be responsive in consuming transactions. So yeah, there's like an endless opportunity. That sounds like a whole lot of digital transformation <laughs> in your title. I'm interested, what does digital transformation mean to you? And, and where do you see that, you know, what do we expect in the next five years when it comes to digital transformation in this area? I love this question. Um, I think digital transformation for me has been around for, for me in my career for a, at least a decade. Um, kind of became a buzzword, right? And I think that at the companies that I've been at where I've served a role in transformation, it's meant a little something different to each. At Availity, digital transformation is growing the digital space and success and opportunities of our users from manual, cumbersome, to innovative, dynamic, you know, just really seamless experiences that users can feel great about. And then continuing to innovate that, I think is a, is a huge important aspect that we can't forget. Digital transformation should never stop. We should always be doing this. So five years from now, I have no idea. I know it's probably gonna look a lot different than what it does today. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it'll be very uh, patient centric, even more so, you know, catching up to other industries maybe that have, have innovated uh, in similar ways. Uh, I'm interested to hear um, how you think uh, the pandemic has impacted digital transformation and, and, and do you think that it'll continue to as you know, we continue to kind of move forward in the pandemic? Yeah, so I think the pandemic definitely altered or let's say fast paced digital transformation mm -hmm. um, in so many ways. Take telemedicine alone, you know, I started to have virtual appointments with my doctor because I was running late or things, you know, for a primary. So just being able to hop on a Zoom and that that was always there. It was just never quite as, as broadly adopted as the pandemic forced everybody's comfort levels to, to go there. I think additionally, the administrative side of how the pandemic affected office, you have how many employees that worked out of an office with paper and, and all of that changed. Now they had to figure out digital ways of being successful in their jobs. And that came out of nowhere, you know, for, for a lot of people. So those that were already a little comfortable probably felt a much seam more seamless transition. But those that didn't, the offices that were still very much paper really had to get up to speed quickly. And I think as uh, technology partners, you know, it's our job to continue to innovate and make those easier and more adaptable for everybody. But yeah. I don't think it's going away. I don't think we can go backwards. I'm not a go backwards kind of girl. Yeah, and it's uh, always like forward. this industry is ready to go forward. It's ready to kind of take what we've learned from the pandemic and, and move forward. Um, how should these offices um, that are kind of still lagging and still trying to move forward, how should they go about identifying and introducing new opportunities to kind of reduce the stress of the office staff and improve some of these processes? So what are things that they can, you know, how can they really go about identifying and, and introducing these new kind of digital transformation uh, well, and I think it could be different for everybody um, mm -hmm. on, on where the practice is itself. But I think the biggest, um, let me redo that. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> three, two, one. I think that the practices that are struggling to get kind of over that hump, um, just knowing that it's okay and that a lot of the industry was was getting over this hump at the same time, mm-hmm. and then just continuing to learn to educate themselves. There's so many uh, virtual learning opportunities now. Obviously, Availity has a whole team here available to train and work our users through things. So I honestly think it's just knowing that you're going to do it and moving forward, right? Like taking the chances, just finding the target that you want to hit, not overthinking it and continuing to work progress and then reach out to the opportunities that that are out there to to help you get there. Yeah, that's really, really great advice. Um, I'm wondering, do you happen to have kind of going more into like a personal side of things? Do you happen to have any personal experience um, in in why some of these patient-centered workflows and this digital transformation is impactful to patients? Yeah. Um, Well, personal in that I was a part of it. So I had mentioned we did a usability pilot um, Mm -hmm. early last year on kind of some of the innovation opportunities we wanted to explore. And we did a usability pilot with a practice and we were able to get a couple of their office administrators to work with us on their day in and day out tasks. And what I learned was that they staffed multiple associates and it was their only responsibility for the most part, three to four days a week was just to recheck EMBs, just to make sure. So new patients were coming 24 hours ahead of time. They had like hundreds of patients just to recheck, just to make sure that those EMBs, that the when the patient came in, that they were going to be taken care of, that they weren't going to get some, you know, astronomical bill that had, you know, handed to them just to make sure. And they did, they did that manually. So that was a big eye-opener to me, just in what moving to a patient-centered workflow. So again, pulling all of those transactions together making them form around this person that's about to walk into the door and then pulling the transactions into a life cycle where we can start to say, and let's say we engage with the scheduling app, you know, software that they're using. Now we can start to reduce that administrative burden by knowing the patient's coming in, knowing it's 24 hours in advance, running that EMB for them and only offering through workflow to that administ- you know, the office staff those that need to be checked, those that might have a situation, and then still leaving it in the hands of the practice. You know, you still need that human, that interaction to understand what's going on, but reducing that hundreds down to just maybe the handful that are actually an issue. So offering up other, you know, other improvement opportunities in the office to these, to, you know, to the associates there and removing that manual kind of burden from them. So that was one experience that that I saw where just moving to a patient-centered workflow could really change an administrator's shop. And from the patient's aspect of it, right, just imagine being able to come in and know ahead of time that they're taken care of. Not having that person greeting you, having been stressed trying to get all of this stuff done to take care of you. And now just having tools that empower them to bring more of their time into the relationship with the patient is what I really think we're hoping to do is reduce those administrative burdens and let them get back to being 
people and building yeah. engagement and relationships. We hear in the news so much uh, about administrative waste and administrative burnout. And, and, you know, do you feel like that this could really help with that? I think it could. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think that that, you know, that relationship between a patient and a practice, you know, that's it, why we're both there. It's, it's why, you know, it, it's all back to that patient and being able to reduce the burden in the, in the administrative and then just get into predictions too, right? So with machine learning and introducing AI to validity, which is huge, you know, now we're able to start to drive things. So let's go back to that example, right? So all of those EMDs we re-ran, now we can start to actually look at the transactional data and say, oh, now we need an authorization. Would you like, so would you like for us to start that authorization? Maybe the patient's there in front and now the administrator can say, oh, I see we're going to have to have an authorization. I'm going to get that going for you, you know, or referrals. Like, I think it, it just continues to offer up the opportunity for less of their time, less of their mental state to have to be in this transaction, this non-personal, yet very important function. But it's driving them to, hey, we've got you. We're going to start to help you know where to go. And we're going to trigger that for you ahead of time. Why don't you spend a little bit more time engaging with that, with that person that, you know, is, is there in a doctor's office? It's never great to be, right? So you want them to feel that their attention is on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. That's, that absolutely does. And it does sound like it will help. Uh, a ton with that administrative burnout uh, in terms of just only having to do what you absolutely have to do instead of spending two hours on the phone, getting a quick notification. Hey, do you want me to do this for you? <laughs> we'll help quite a bit. <laughs> or could you, I thought about when I, in the experience listening to those, the office staff talk about, could you imagine having to check 199 of them were fine? <laughs> you know, like just Knowing that you can sit down and just have that one proactively sent through a workflow that says, hey, we see an issue here, you know, go ahead and, and take care of this one. Wow. So we know you are a very busy and very well accomplished working woman. I'm wondering, what are some activities outside of work that help keep you grounded? Any interests or activities or hobbies? Yeah. So my, um, my mug, Wanderlust. I oh, let me see your mug. Yes. <laughs> ah, tea time. Yes. Um, I am an adventurer. I love um, doing things with my family, um, experiencing our beautiful world. Uh, a lot of little trips. Um, we do a lot of road trips and camping and uh, being very active outdoors. Uh, I'm really hung up on unique stays right now. So we've done houseboats and tiny houses and, you know, converted barns on farms. And we did a Hobbit themed hut house um, in Tennessee at Thanksgiving and um, just kind of getting out and exploring, but then also meeting people. I'm, I'm a chat. I love chatting. Um, so just meeting, you know, waitresses that we run into. Um, recently down in St. Augustine, I took the kids to an outdoor concert and it was heavily adult. So the kids were a little withdrawn and I was like, come on, let's sit down. And we went to go sit down at a bench and in St. Augustine, it's a very historic um, community. So there was a gentleman dressed as a pirate 
and he was a little, <laughs> he was a little scruffy looking. And I remember he was just about to light a cigarette and my middle daughter totally called him out on it. And I was immediately embarrassed. And he was just like, no, she's right. And then we sat down and had like a 40 minute conversation with this man. He knew a lot about Marvel. So my son and him engaged in just Marvel conversation. And we talked about his you know, life and experiences. And then we talked a little bit about ours and just seeing the kids like learn more about the people of the world. Um, I think that's one of my big passions. Yeah. And open up their perspective. I love that idea too, of traveling to different places and staying in unique spots. I, we once stayed in a tree house in Jamaica, which is very cool. Yeah. It was a very fun experience. So I also love, love that wanderlust uh, as well. Um, I'm also wondering, you know, what are some things that you do to overcome challenges in your life? You know, we all have obstacles that come our way. And for our young listeners, they're always interested in hearing about, you know, any challenges you may have face as, as a woman in healthcare and, 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 and what are things that you do to overcome those challenges that you face? Sure. Um, I think one of the, one of the most successful things I can do in overcoming challenges is being able to compartmentalize what's going on and the actual challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned later on through my career to pause and breathe and think I used to just, I, I, shoot from the hip, right? I'm, I'm very transparent. I'm very open. I, I often say it is what it is. Uh, you know, let's talk about it. it. It's here. I talk about the human nature of people and engagements and, you know, or are people responsive in a room? You know, I, I like to read um, energies of people whenever you're, and I think that that's very important in the professional environment. And I think just being confident in who you are and then entering a situation, I can be extremely uh, confident and I can drive conversations and I can do all of that while still being pleasant. I can, I can have very difficult conversations and compartmentalize what the conversation is about. Mm. Try to leave the personal aspects to the side. It doesn't always work. But for the most part, just really trying to tackle what is at hand and just being open and honest. I, I say sometimes that I just, half of my job is just stating the obvious. <laughs> I'm okay with just stating the obvious. Let's talk about this, but getting that conversation out the door, getting a little bit of the personal aspects of it. You know, what is your working dynamic? What's my working dynamic? Where are we going to conflict? Where are we going to complement each other and kind of talking through that and being okay with that. Um, and then just moving forward, not letting challenges overwhelm you, not letting situations make you falter, not, you know, stalling whenever things are hard. When I, I'm just, just keep moving just forward, make decisions and move forward. Um, I think is, is critical in being successful. Mm. The last question I have for you today is where do you see healthcare uh, patient-centered workflows being, sorry, let me try this again. The last question, three, two, one. The last question I have for you today is where do you see healthcare heading from a patient-centered workflow perspective in 10, 20, 
30 years, what do you think will ultimately be, um, you know, the, the best case scenario of a patient-centered workflow? My dream for the best case for a patient-centered workflow, now that we've tied all of this information together, and now that we've mastered AI and machine learning, and when the human aspect is still critical and when we can let technology take over for us, right? And let us focus where it's important. Um, we talked in a vision session one day and I'll, I'll go ahead and relate it here to TurboTax. Whenever I sit down, I've done my own taxes for how long? Mm -hmm. I, I don't even know, for forever. And I'm not a tax accountant. I don't. Yeah. Oh, but we use TurboTax and you literally click a button and it's every, all there. <laughs> oh, but you know what? It's, it's the, I sit down and it's like, hey, Amanda, I know you. By the way, I've gone out to all of these information hubs and I've gotten all of the information for you. Is this right? Okay, great. I know you and I know your history. So now just tell me if something changed, right? So wow, wow. did you buy a house? Did you get married? Did you... No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Okay. I know now where you need to go by answering just these short questions. So I really see by tying everything together and looking and learning about the life cycle of the patient, the person, the human, now we can really drive experiences where we can start to predict, hey, and we do a little bit of this today, right? Have you had your mammogram? Have you... But you know what, let's, this is where you had it last year on this date. Does this schedule work for you? So it's just stepping it forward to just be so engaged in knowing the human, knowing the patient, knowing the predicted life cycle, knowing the administrator, knowing what they need to do, and then just really making them only spend the amount of time that they need to somewhere because we've got their back. We know where they need to go. Availability's been doing this long enough to know. So now it's just being able to pull all of that into workflows and transactions that drive it for them. So I, I like, I really resonated with the TurboTax aspect because yeah. I've used it for so long. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really good at something that I don't know much about <laughs> because they know so much about me. And could you imagine if this type, this was used to save lives, you know, to empower patients with their own data, empower physicians with this data all in one source so that it's it's predictive and smart and useful and yes. easy to access. And easy to access and smart and useful and relevant, right? So mm -hmm. all keywords to our future that, that I really think Availity is driving towards. That is so fantastic. Well, it was amazing chatting with you today, Amanda. You are a visionary. You are super smart and bright. And I know patients all over really appreciate the work that you're doing to help unblock this data and help us have more access to it. Uh, to finish off this conversation right, where can our listeners find you online? Oh, so on LinkedIn, um, Amanda Edwards at Ability. Um, I am, I am there. And of course, learn more about Availity, Availity.com and our products. And there's a, a great intro from my leader, uh, Vice President of Digital, uh, Terry Gertz, that talks a little bit more about that um, on our homepage. Terrific. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, 
Thanks. It was so great to get to know you. Thank you. And thank you for joining us, folks. Check out the Hit Like a Girl podcast and website page for more great guests like Amanda today. Cheers. Like a Girl Media is more than a media network. It's a community. We want to meet you and amplify your voice and the voices of outstanding women innovating in healthcare. Interested in starting your own podcast or hosting an event near you? Connect with us online or in person. We're here to support and empower you.